Let's just dive right in. Yeah. Matthew 11. We'll start with reading uh, Matthew 11, verse 16. To what will I, and this is Jesus speaking, to what will I compare this generation? It is like a child sitting in the marketplace calling out to others. We played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We sang a funeral song for you and you didn't mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. Yet the human one came eating and drinking and they say, look, a glutton and a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners but wisdom is proved to be right by her works. You ever found yourself in a situation where there is no pleasing people? Or I think you're in that situation every time you get up and speak in front of people, right? (laughs) The reality is like public And when you're out in public, the reality is someone is probably offended uh, by what you are going to say or do, right? And I think in leadership or like, I feel for politicians because every time they open the mouth, they have ticked off somebody, right? Um, (laughs) Right? Morning, Dan. Um, and this is, this is the kind of place that Jesus finds himself in, right? He finds him in a place where there's no, no pleasing the people, right? And we find ourselves in, in that like situation all the time, right? Um, even talking to a couple people this morning, it was interesting how this theme came up in the, the struggles of the week. It was like stuck between a rock and a hard place. How do I proceed when no matter what I do, people will be upset, you know? And I think normally, we, if we wanted to, we could figure out how to please one faction, one group of people. Uh, it's just tricky when there's a group of people and there's a group of opinions, right? Because as soon as you have more than one person in the room, you have more than one solution to what you think the problem is. It's kind of those, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, right? And, sorry, I skipped over a part. That's all right, it doesn't obviously matter. Um, I don't think we can avoid these situations, right? It's, it's a part of our life, a part of have, being around people. And, and while I talk about like, these situations that we find ourselves in where we're like, we can't please anybody, I think there's a reality that whenever we find ourselves saying those people, we need to be very, very careful. Um, because the reality is that most of us are those people as well, right? We are the unpleasable. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do um, or what I do in a certain situation, you're going to be upset, right? Um, it doesn't matter what sermon we share, the reality is some people will like it and some people will think it was absolute dribble, right? It's, <laughs> amen. Says the other. Right? And I think it, you find yourself in, in that headspace where we are the people who are impossible to please, where nobody can get anything right for us. And we, we get in this headspace and we end up being a frustration to everybody around us. And Jesus even finds 
this frustrating, right? This is, this is him in this moment, this moment. He's frustrated with the people around him who are impossible to please. And I don't just, because sometimes we get caught up in silliness, you can be frustrated with someone and still love them. I think Jesus gets frustrated with us in the midst of still loving us. To think he doesn't get frustrated probably is too high of an opinion of ourselves, right? But in this moment, Jesus, he's wrestling with the fact that John the Baptist came, and he came with a style, right? And he was living in the desert. It was a secluded life, and he came neither eating or drinking, right? Like he'd given up alcohol, he was fasting a lot, and it was very much like kind of this austere approach. And then Jesus came with a style that had him eating and drinking and hanging out with people of questionable character. And the people, this generation, this group of people, the the Israelites, all of them, he's kind of lumping them together, is saying it doesn't matter like how we approach the the, the message, you guys are upset. John must be possessed and Jesus is a drunken and a glutton. And it's interesting, if you keep reading in chapters, in the chapter, verses 20 to 24, Jesus begins to scold, I'm not going to read it to you because it's a lot of uh, names that I'll mispronounce and embarrass myself. So, uh, but Jesus begins to scold the cities where he had been, right? And he talks about, like, I was here, I was in Capernaum, and if if other cities had seen those miracles, they would have understood, they would have turned. But you didn't, right? He's a, he gets upset because they've rejected him in the moment. And I think this is a beautifully human moment for Jesus, right? He's surrounded by complainers. He's, he's frustrated that it doesn't matter what he does the, or what, how the message is offered, people won't accept it. And he ends up complaining, right? And I know it comes in the form of a condemnation of a warning, but in the context, it's this frustration. Jesus is frustrated. And in this frustration with people who are impossible to please, Jesus is being difficult to please. And I think this is kind of what Paul warned us about. And I don't think Jesus is sinning in this moment. So if you're like, oh, Jesus is complaining, therefore he's sinning. It's like, I don't think he is. But I think it's one of those things where Jesus is having a human moment, right? And Paul wrote to the Galatians in, 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 uh, in chapter 6.1. He said, brothers and sisters, if, you're a person caught, if a person is caught doing something wrong, you who are spiritual should restore someone with a spirit of gentleness, Watch out for yourselves that you don't be tempted to. Watch out for yourselves that you don't be tempted to. This is Jesus, right? He's just like, ah, why are people complaining so much? Why are they, like, why can't they just hear the message? Like, it's coming at them from totally different styles. Why won't you listen? And then he starts ranting, and then he's like, ah. And here I am doing the exact same thing. Right? And he kind of in this moment, Jesus kind of, you can almost hear him in the text just kind of take a deep breath and be like, Whew. 
And he continues. Because at that time, Jesus said, I praise you. This is verse 25. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have shown them to babies. Indeed, Father, this brings you happiness. My Father has handed all things over to me. No one knows the Son except the Father, and nobody knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wants to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. Jesus is frustrated, right? And he finds himself ranting against these cities who rejected him. As I think we would all naturally do as a human beings, right? We would have this moment. But Jesus catches himself, right? Because he could have gone further. He, like, he had every reason to speak out the judgment and the condemnation against these cities. But instead he pauses, he takes a deep breath, He centers himself on the Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, and he kind of leans into a spirit of thankfulness and mystery. And I think this is a good reminder for us, and I'll say this to you in a moment, hopefully, where you're not frustrated, because never say this to someone who is frustrated. It might get you punched in the face. But thankfulness is our response to our frustration that Jesus is modeling. When we think there is, like, there's no answer, turning to God and being thankful for the things we can be thankful for is the path that Jesus models for us. And I think Jesus isn't thankful for the frustration. He's not saying, like, God, thank you for this, this struggle. Thank you for these annoying people, right? He's finding something else. He's thankful for the fact that he doesn't understand that God is at work in a kind of deeper, mysterious way. And that the Father is willing to work through and in in spite of the frustrations of our moment and the frustrations of annoying people. And Jesus closes this whole thing, this, this section, And it's probably one of Jesus' most quoted lines, right? Come to me, all who are struggling, struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, I will give you rest. Put on my yoke, learn from me, I'm gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. We typically read this little section completely out of this context. And I don't actually, it's a beautiful phrase. Like, it's one of those things, it's like people have it on the plaques on the wall, and for good reason, right? It fits a lot of different things. But in the context of this story, I think it brings, it such, sheds light on the situation where Jesus has found himself, right? In, in, in this time, there are a lot of factions within, uh, within Israel, And they're all looking for followers, trying to convince people that this is the way we need to solve the the perceived problem, right? 
So you had the religious leaders, those who are upholding the law. You had zealots, who we would call either freedom fighters or terrorists today, right? Depending on your point of view. You had the Roman rulers, and then you had the politicians, who were some Roman rulers, but also the weird people, the, um, the religious leaders who were mixing Roman politics and religion together, right? And I, I think we have very similar factions today telling us that in order to solve the problem of our day, the answer is a complex system, right? Where something, all these things need to happen. That there needs to be sacrifice. That there has to be an, um, a necessary evil to accomplish the goals that we've prioritized. Just like all of these, these factions in Israel, I think we hear those voices today. We have political leaders telling us one thing. We have religious leaders saying that you have to get in line, that you have to do these things, that you have to hate certain people groups in order to, to follow Jesus. But what John and Jesus were offering was actually something disturbingly simple. Right? It wasn't heavy, it wasn't complex. It was, and it was offered with gentleness and humility. And I think this generation that, that, uh, that Jesus refers to is like many of us today who insist that it can't be simple. That there has to be a complex theological system on how to live in order to live out the kingdom. But Jesus and John, their messages were disturbingly short. Their methodology uh, childishly simple. Love God, love your neighbor. The kingdom of God is near. That's it. Everything else hangs on this. When Jesus is going around, I think this has kind of been our running theme over the last couple of weeks. The kingdom of heaven is near. The rule of love is possible. You just gotta do it in your own life. And this is Jesus in this moment. He's like, look, we came to you. John said, repent. Turn away from your evil living and just lean into the love of your neighbor and the love of God. And he did it with a style that was kind of strange, right? Like he wore animal furs and lived in the wilderness. And then Jesus came saying the exact same thing but with a totally different style because the style was irrelevant to the message. And he said, it's really actually simple. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Love your neighbor, love me, turn away from hate. It's a yoke that's easy to bear. It's a light burden and I think it contrasts from the different factions of the day and the factions today who would tell us that it needs to be complex. I'm not saying it's easy. 
think those are two different things, right? The journey is surprisingly difficult. I think whenever I think about my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, so my, my hobby, I think as lots of you know, is camping, right? And if you've ever gone on a hiking trip, like a multi-day trip where you're like, with everything is in your pack, right? You think about every little bit of baggage you have, right? You think about that, well, for me, I think about that extra hair elastic I put in there just in case I lost one, right? And you're just like, could I burn that tonight and make my pack lighter tomorrow? And I think that's what Jesus is in this moment of saying, like, my burden is light. He's saying, look, the journey's hard enough. Don't carry crap that you don't need. And this is why he's going to the people who are, remember, are lost without a shepherd. He's like, you guys are lost without a shepherd. These systems have oppressed you, have made it impossible for you to live. And it really doesn't have to be that complicated. John said it, now I'm saying it. Love God, love your neighbor, live like the rule of love is near and possible to us. The kingdom of God is near. Questions and response this morning. That was quick. Um, the, the one uh, response I had was um, around emotions and this idea of God feeling frustrated. And it's my belief that I believe that emotions in themselves are not right or wrong. And I believe that it comes down to three things. It's how we think when we feel these emotions, it's how we act when we feel these emotions, and it's how we deal with these emotions where sin is evident. And I also believe that in, I don't know the best way to phrase this, um, because I don't want to negate the idea that um, emotions are something we still have to take responsibility for. Um, I think that um, even though we might not be in control of our emotions, we have to um, we have to yeah t- take responsibility for them. And I think that. Um, it, that emotions aren't always in our control. And as someone that has struggled with my mental health in the past, I can tell you we are not always in control of how we feel. That's a, a good reminder. The, the passages that come, and I can't remember where it is, but the passage that comes to mind, in your anger, don't sin. It doesn't say don't be angry, because sometimes we should be but there's a difference. And I think in this moment, Jesus is feeling frustrated. There's nothing wrong with Jesus feeling frustrated. He was surrounded by frustrating people. He still is, like, look at us, um, right? But there's a difference between 
acting out of love and acting out of hate in those moments of frustration. And that's the... the Kate. Um, I thought it was a wonderful service sermon. <laughs> and what I got out of that is uh, the energies, you know. God is love. God is total love. And we can't be in the world and of the world. I don't know if this makes sense, but at the same time, you know, there's so much going on politically, and it's all fear-mongering, you know. We need housing, we need places for the poor people that are on the, the drugs, because they're full of fear, that's why they're on the drugs and stuff, that's their last resort, you know, like. Um, and we can't serve God and mammon, that's what I've struggled with this week. We can't serve God and mammon. And mammon, I looked up in the dictionary, is, you know, things like our car broke this week and we've been, a, we've been a mess, you know? And it's funny because if I continue to drive the car, the wheels on the back will fall off. It's, uh, it's the uh, tie rod or whatever. And didn't I try to pick up my dog this week and injure my back? And it's like the car and me are both falling apart, you know? And uh, Anyway, and my husband's full of stress because my poor husband has to take, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor to take care of his blind mother's finances, work full time. You know, he's got a lot on his plate. And uh, so fear gets in our way, and then we get in each other's way, if you can, just like you said, because we get frustrated, just like Jesus. And I'm glad to hear that our, our beautiful Lord felt the frustration that us people feel too, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think that's enough said, but uh, I have to keep grounded and, and be in the world, but not of the world. And I think that's what, what I got out of this service. Thank you very much. Yeah. Anyone else this morning? Marco. Uh, I find it uncanny just when we're working on trying to learn something, we show up at church and it gets built upon. We were on Friday just talking about um, impatience versus gratitude. And it's hard to be both at the same time. And then today demonstrates that for me. You could call it frustration, you can call it impatience. It's not happening in the time mm -hmm. you would like it to. But you, it's hard to be grateful in that moment. So you have to turn to gratitude to, to sort of solve that. But you can't have both exist at the same time. So that's a really uh, good learning. Thank you. Awesome. Dan? I just thank everybody for their, their, their kindness and their generosity and their decency towards me. And I love you all. Thanks, Praise Dan. the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Dan. It's a good, beautiful note to end on, right? So let me just, let me just uh, send us off with a, with a prayer and a benediction. So, Lord, we ask that you make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, unity. Where there is doubt, faith. 
Where there is error, truth. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. Lord, grant that we may not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show their face to you and have mercy. May the Lord look on you and give you peace. Go in the love and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.